you wanna learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7, Brave New Radio. We got managers, producers, record labels, concert promoters galore. Wednesday at 8 p.m. Yeah! yeah! Music Biz 101 and more live from Nashville, Tennessee, the Boy. volunteer state. Make sure you go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. You need to sign up for a newsletter. Follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. And, of course, we have a podcast, which many of you are listening to right now, mm-hmm. and you found it at iTunes or SoundCloud, Music Biz, Ampersand, 101. No, Music Biz 101, <laughs> Ampersand, more. Music Biz 101 and more. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp. Who are you? I am Stephen Marconi. Dr. Esteban. Yes. And so as you listen, you'll hear a student. You're going to hear a great, great person. But this was a summer class because of William Patterson, the university. So we want to thank Ashley Weltner, who's been our engineer for all of our radio shows yes. over the past year, and she hooked us up with this tremendous technique of recording that we're doing right now. And we should give thanks, so we put our uh, hands together, legs together, eyes closed, heads down. Thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management, with artists like Charlie Puff, Dave Matthews, and Kith. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. Hyphen. CPA.com when you are ready. And we should all give thanks to Christine Vey. Oi, a wealth manager and the president of <laughs> Oi Vey Management. <laughs> Oi Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson the University to manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have any questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, give Christine a call at repeat after me, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. You can also email her, Christine at oi. theywealth.com. And take the last oi off for savings. That's right. Many shout outs to many different people, but don't forget managing your band's sixth edition. By the time you hear this, it has been out for a year, but like fine wine, it's aging beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's a book, it's in color, it's got glossy pages. And only a few mistakes. Very few mistakes. <laughs> so you're going to love it. And always contact, uh, contact us. Again, go to musicbiz101wp.com, and that's where you can find everything out. Again, big thanks to the Music Biz Association for having us here. Yes. And now on to La Interview. Ooh. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> We're here with Heather Trussell. Butch, the newly recently married Heather yes. from Memory Lane. Congratulations. Senior VP. I would, yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's a senior VP. That's right. <laughs> so she's from España. By the way, we are your professor, David Kirk Philp, and your doctor. Yes. Esteban, yes, Marconi. Okay. See. And we're here uh, on Music Biz 101 and more. And we're here with the great, wonderful student. Her name is Taylor Turner, T squared, double T. Taylor Turner here. Yes. Making it happen. Thank you, Taylor Turner. First time in Nashville, Taylor? Yes. But uh, explain to us who Heather is 
and then we will get in with our discussion about the music and entertainment industry. Heather is a senior VP of Memory Lane Music Group, and she also owns a company called Princess Lola Music. Huh. Princess what? Princess Lola. Princess oh, okay. Lola Music. Okay. Oh, really? It's, it's a, yes, it's a combination of two pets, actually, the names of two pets. A dog named Lola? A horse, na- a horse and a dog. Really? Wow. Which horse one is the dog? Princess, the okay. dog is Lola, <laughs> the, okay. and a horse is Princess. Yeah. I know somebody <laughs> who has had multiple dogs named Lola. So, it's uh, a popular dog name. Yeah, I yeah. Don't know. It's a cute dog name. Right. And it's a great kink song. True. I just Mm. thought of that now. We could talk about the kinks all year if you'd like. Okay, so what is memory? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Good night. We're here all week. (laughs) What is Memory Lane? Memory Lane is an independent music publisher that is, we are are celebrating our 100th year in in 2021. Mm. We were uh, in one form of fashion the original entity was called Larry Spear Music mm. and that entity became an ASCAP member in 1921 wow. so it's very possible that we actually existed prior to that but we're just going by the 1921 date mm-hmm. and Larry Spear was the grandfather of the current owner of Memory Lane Music Mark Spear and Larry Spear um, was a was a fairly prolific publisher he was also a songwriter. He dabbled in songwriting, which is where the, the, our, our now our umbrella name, Memory Lane Music, came from. He co-wrote a song called Memory Lane, and that's mm-hmm. – so it's not like – n- that's not indicative of our catalog. We actually – our catalog spans a variety of genres. We mm-hmm. do have a lot of standards, but we also have hip-hop, pop, rock, mm-hmm. um, punk. Mm-hmm. You name it. So we've got a we've got a wide variety, but that's and about how many songs would you guess? Oh, probably between five thousand to seventy five hundred. We're I think we're considered your a major indie, um, mm-hmm. and and that that varies from year to year depending on clients and sometimes mm-hmm. you lose clients and you gain clients, mm-hmm. and so that varies from year to year. But between five and seventy five hundred. And how does mm-hmm. that compare to, say, a downtown music or a, I'm trying to think of other you know, you've boutique. Got, yeah. Oh, boutique. Th- we're definitely, like, downtown has, uh, I mean, it's probably three to four times that size. I'm not mm-hmm. sure of the exact number of songs in their catalog. But, but they're, they're larger, and they're growing aggressively. You've got the downtowns. You've got um, Reservoir. They have mm-hmm. a really aggressive growth strategy. They've been buying uh, a lot and, over and the last and year. And investment yeah. behind them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, we don't – we. We're we're a little bit slower, and uh, I think I don't want to say sh- more strategic in a way that sort of you know casts a negative light on mm-hmm. publishers like Downtown and um, and that that kind of cl- group of publishers. But we have a little bit of a different growth strategy. A little more, we're a little more boutique. We we um, we look to fill holes in the catalog, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then uh, kind of grow grow a little bit slower and it's got to be got to be the right fit for mm-hmm. us just because of the type of company that we are and you don't have the funding of right the other companies i mean you're not yeah. ha- you don't have big investment banks behind you right right, right. wouldn't mind it but <laughs> <laughs> right, right. yeah yeah currently um so in terms of artists how early in their career should they be looking for a publisher 
That's, that's a good, you're assuming the artist is also a songwriter in that question, because there is a difference between artist and songwriter. You can't lump all songwriters into the artist they category. They throw this word around exactly. this drives, week. Yeah, it drives me a you little know, crazy, and actually. And we have to stop and say, well, they're meaning the artistic right. part of the songwriter. Right, you know? exactly. So, so an artist who is also a songwriter and is either writing for their writing for their project or other projects, because many artists also write for other projects. Um, you know, that's, it depends on what, it, it depends on what their, what their goal is. If they're looking for a publisher who has a creative side, who has a strong creative team, meaning they are, they are involved in, in setting up co-writing sessions or involved in placing the artist's songs with, with other artists or syncing, uh, pitching for sync uses, that, that can be earlier, earlier on. And, and out of the gate basically and that and that's a that we do have some songwriter clients like that that don't that are artists that don't necessarily have um, a record of placements but they have massive potential and and they're great songwriters and we think that we can develop them in that respect there's other artists songwriters songwriter artists who perhaps really have a great you know they're defending their own cuts they they have their own network and really they just need administration so um, they just need someone to come in and collect, and that's that's also the something that can that can be done right to be, you know, once they start to generate money, just building that framework, and mm. once they start getting activity, go out and find that publisher. So, it really it depends on it depends on the the songwriter, the artist songwriter, and and what their what their goal is with their career, um, you know, how far along they are in kind of developing their career, what type of publisher they need. And and I think you can always, as an art, as a songwriter artist, go out and start to pound the pavement and start to network. And because you don't want to get, you also want to find the right publisher for you. It's a relationship, so it's got to be the right fit. Because you could be in this relationship, depending on the deal, for years and years and years. So you don't want to get in, into the wrong relationship, mm -hmm. wrong relationship, and have that turn sour at some point. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, we had uh, an interview last year here in Nashville with a. An artist named Kalen Green, who had a deal, might have been with Warner Chapel, and he had a development deal. And basically, they gave him a stipend oh, every yes. month of I don't know if it was nine hundred dollars <laughs> or seven hundred fifty right. a month, so he could actually live, um, you know, rent and his right. bungalow, or and and then you know, uh, he wasn't rich, but yeah. but yeah, he could pay for his food and he yeah. could write, and then they would send him and set up co-writes and stuff. Right, right. That's Nashville. Yeah. So, do you guys do that type of development deal and and all that? We we don't. Mm -hmm. That is common, and that is certainly the way that other publishers function. We don't, just mm -hmm. because of the way that our company is structured. Right. But we do do a lot of development, and we'll do. And and those those are signed. Those are signed songwriters. They are signed exclusively to that publisher. Mm -hmm. So they, and they're and it's they have to. Most of the time, there's a, a minimum commitment. It's it's. You know, their their writing and everything that they're writing is is written is is then grandfathered grandfathered under that deal with that publisher. Mm. We when we're in development deals and again it, it's specific to the songwriter, but we we often will um, it will be a deal where it's it's really kind of a delivered deal. Mm. So whatever we help set up or procure, we're involved with, and they still can go and work with other other publishers and other entities. But 
but we ask them if, if we set up a co-write we're involved with the song that results as a part of that mm. if we if we land uh, a placement we're involved with the song sure so it, we try not to because because we understand that they need other opportunities and they might need to hold down a part-time job <laughs> mm-hmm. to in order to pay their expenses or a full-time job we we understand that but we don't do that type of a deal where we give the we give a, a stipend or mm-hmm. type of a some type of a, an, an advance usually those are advances yeah. right. basically it's an advance it's a loan over. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. they have to recoup right and, and you don't give advances unless we do sometimes it depends, depends on the yeah, artist usually though, if right. there's pipeline money if, if there's some money that's that's sitting out there that we can collect or they've landed a there's a cut a, a prior cut that we're going to maybe admin that they've landed on their own mm. so it just depends mm. on the deal sometimes we do but when it's a straight kind of we're, we're we see a lot of potential with a songwriter and we just want to s- develop them we don't usually structure deals with with advances with a with a monthly stipend it's just not the way that we mm-hmm. our business model many publishers that do mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. so you mentioned two words you, you mentioned the pipe pipeline money yes um, can you explain what would be a case like mm-hmm. that so that mm-hmm. some listeners may not understand mm-hmm. pipeline would be could potentially be mechanical mechanical income that is is uncollected um, could be performance income that's that's uncollected any any type of income that's not yet collected or or that hasn't yet that's that's in the queue for collection like a yeah. uh, song that's been released on on an artist's album and and there's money it that it hasn't yet it was newly released but so it hasn't yet generated the income but it will that's all pipeline income mm-hmm. income that it, I mean it could be generally it's mechanicals and performances maybe a sync that hasn't yet been licensed and collected upon maybe something that's been placed but it's yet to go to the license and collection point and we can pick it up at that point so that's anything that's in the queue so to speak mm-hmm. or uncollected and a lot of a lot of songwriters land placements and just don't have the infrastructure and have money money sitting uh, sitting with the DSPs with Spotify with mm-hmm. Apple Music whom, whomever with and, and or overseas they just ha- don't have the infrastructure and their songs aren't they're not even claiming their songs overseas. So mm. we go in and clean that up mm-hmm. and then start to collect that income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your own company, Princess Lola Music, your mission statement says that you are dedicated to acquiring undervalued, mismanaged uh, publishing assets. What do you mean by that? Mm, you did your research. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Princess Lola was set up to, um, to find, find publishing catalogs that were were underutilized either they had some great songs that just weren't getting getting pitched for placements or perhaps they they didn't have the infrastructure set up and there was money hanging out overseas um, just basically inactive underworked catalogs that that needed a publisher who had connections who's got the infrastructure to collect all the money and then has connections in the sync world and even potentially landing covers I mean, there's some great songs. So that that was the that was that was what Princess Lola was set up to do. And we've acquired a couple catalogs, um, low value catalogs, mm-hmm. honestly, but have really have added value to them and have had they've definitely recouped what we've paid. So it's been you know it's been good. And it's, it was just a, an offshoot. It wasn't 
it wasn't anything that uh, was just kind of a side project that we did, that we started. Yeah, because there are a lot of a lot of catalogs out there like that, a lot of family-owned catalogs that just kind of sit there because mm. family's been administering them, and they need somebody to come in and with fresh eyes and and mm -hmm. do some work. So, Memory Lane do basically admin uh, work for actually have ownership of the song? Both, both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, we, we do have a catalog of standards that we own and we have some, some, some co-pub deals in place now uh, where we, we do own half the copyright. Um, so we have, we have both, but it was, it, it was very strong. It, it really morphed into an admin company mm -hmm. in the 80s, 70s, 80s. Uh, Larry Spear Jr., uh, after Larry Spear, the founder, passed away, Larry Spear Jr. came in and w it was right around the time when writers were recapturing their foreign rights via what's called uh, paragraph eight or, or their U.S. and Canadian rights via renewal. There's, there, are, there are clauses in, in, in either the writer contracts or the U.S. law that allow writers at a certain point, and if you do specific things, to recapture your publishing. So a lot of writers were recapturing their publishing back in the the 80s, 90s, and and were able. They then started their own publishing companies, held onto their publishing, mm -hmm. and and yeah. went into administration deals. Yeah. And because they had, they got better rates. Mm -hmm. And and so and they also, of course, control the assets, which is huge. I mean, yeah. you've got intellectual property. So my Larry Spear. Junior, Junior, who actually hired me when I was I left uh, grad school, he, he, I think he is, um, arguably the the creator of the admin deal. He is one mm. of the er one of the earliest, one of the first publishers to to go into admin admin deals, lower rate uh, or, or more favorable rate to the songwriter who's now controlling his or her catalog, mm -hmm. and he had an infrastructure around the world, so. He was he was able to secure a lot of mm. a lot of deals, a lot of foreign deals, a lot of U.S. deals, and then of course you had the reversionary provision in the uh, in the yeah. U.K. law, right. which um, which writers could, who wrote songs during a certain time period they could recapture the, uh, the their estates, not the writers themselves, because it was actually it's a law based on the death the date of death of the writer mm -hmm. of the song, uh, but their estates could recapture and then capitalize on those reversionary rights, and of course now U.S. termination. Yeah. So, yeah. So he was one of the earlier uh, publishers that were utilizing the admin deal. Right. Explain again, just yes. for those listening, the difference, the difference between the traditional deal and the admin deal. You know, the, yes. the, the mm -hmm. two sides of the song, mm -hmm. publisher side, writer mm -hmm. side, et cetera, mm -hmm. and how that works for mm -hmm. admin, admin versus the other. So there are there are essentially three main deals mm -hmm. in the publishing world, and then there are kind of hybrids. But the three main de deals would be the, the, the traditional deal or the standard deal, the co-pub deal, and the admin deal. Mm -hmm. And the, the traditional deal is, is named that because it is traditionally how publishers and songwriters operated. When a songwriter signed a deal with a publisher, it might be a single song deal or it might be a, a, um, a multiple uh, term deal. So anything that the writer wrote during the term was assigned to the publisher, and that was an assignment of copyright. So the writer assigned 100% of his or her 
share of the copyright in that song, whatever it was, it could be 100%, could be 50%. And back, back in the day, usually, you know, usually there were writer teams. Mm -hmm. You had a composer and you had a lyricist, yeah. usually. You didn't yeah. like Lieber and Stoller. Um, yeah. you know, I, I mean, there's sure. uh, Ro Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yeah. It's so many. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. But uh, you had you you that that was one person wrote the lyric, one person wrote the the music, and they mm -hmm. formed these teams. So so under the traditional deal, it's a full assignment of copyright to the publisher, and the publisher controls that copyright for the duration of of the term. Unless the writer is able to terminate, or or unless under their under their contract they were able to to file what's called a paragraph eight, some some early forms of of the of the what was termed the AGAC contract, which was a standard contract. The AGAC was a precursor yeah, to the Songwriters right, Guild right. of America. They right. had a standard contract, which really isn't. I don't see much anymore these days, and it had a specific paragraph. So under the standard deal, it's a it's a full assignment of copyright. That the that the and your your rates are um, and fifty percent of the income is the publisher collects except for performances the publisher collects a hundred percent of the income for that writer that writer share and then pays the writer fifty fifty percent and then of course performance the PRO pays the writer directly and pays the publisher directly. Mm -hmm. So quick recap: so yeah. a dollar comes in and in a traditional public publishing deal, a dollar comes in, yep. you collect it, yep. you keep your fifty cents. Fifty cents goes to exactly. the writer. Yes. And again, with the I'm signed Unless. to ASCAP. ASCAP will right. take a dollar. They'll give. They'll split it evenly. Fifty exactly. cents to you. They'll pay you directly. Fifty cents. They'll pay me directly after their ASCAP fee. Yep. Right? Exactly. Okay, and that's so the yes. traditional deal. That is the traditional deal. And that was yep. in, um, part of the consent decrees. I think part of the consent decrees when they came out in the they said 40s, that forties. Yeah. They said it had to be fifty yeah, fifty. It was forty five or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. That they had to. ASCAP would have to pay the writer directly and the publisher hmm. directly. Yeah. That was the right. Proposal. Yeah. Okay. I only heard the bad parts about the consent decree. Well, <laughs> so that's publishers don't like them. Yeah. No, I, oh no. They and we shouldn't. I mean, yeah, they're, they're right. antiquated and outdated, and they need to be changed. Um, right. And hopefully, there's a little bit of uh, uh, there's some change modification to that in the MMA Act. That's well, we'll that's get with that Senate in a couple right minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and then there's the. The co-pub deal, which is a deal where the writer assigns 50% of their share of the publishing of mm -hmm. the copyright to the publisher and retains their 50% share. This is also often referred to as a 75-25 deal because yeah. of the payout structure. Right, if you 75, do the three, mm -hmm, right. Yep, exactly. And then usually under co-pub deals, the publisher admins for a certain length of time the writer's retained share. So the, the publisher actually controls 100% of the writers of the writer's share mm -hmm. for a certain period of time, even though they actually own 50% of the copyright and admin the writers retained 50%. Right. For and a certain for, number and of for that, they get usually 20%. Uh, so of uh, all but performance, public performance income, they the split is 75 to the writer, 25 oh, to the publisher. 25, okay. Yeah. That's why they call it 7520. Co-pub co co deal. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we'll recap with no, that. No, I was talking about yeah. the admin. I thought we moved. Go ahead. Okay. Keep yeah. talking. Don't so with the co-publishing deal, back to that dollar comes in. Yep. So you have two sides. You have the writer's side and the publisher's side. The writer still gets their 50 cents of that dollar. Yep. And in the publisher's side, they get they're splitting it 50-50. Exactly. So yep. the writer's getting 25 cents of the 50 of that the came in or 50% yep. of the publisher's side yep. of that. And the publisher's getting yep. 25 
cents or 50% of the publisher's exactly. salary. Pro provided exactly. the writer has their own publishing company, right? Yeah, well, we, we usually just, I mean, we just, it, we just pay it directly okay. into the writer's account or the writer's. Or their LLC yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. All right. Yeah. All right, yeah. so that's the co-publishing deal. That's the co-pub deal. deal. And then, and then the there's the admin yes. deal, the administration deal. Exactly. The admin deal is strictly, I mean, it's it's termed admin because it is admin. There's no copyright assignment. There's no, right. the writer retains their publishing, and they, they do an exclusive administration deal, publishing deal, with, with a publisher for a certain number of years. It can be anything from two years to ten years, or two years with rolling automatic renewals, and then that those those rates those payout rates are negotiated. Mm -hmm. um, you've seen I've seen admin deals as low as five percent, five percent of net, uh, mm -hmm. up to depending on the income stream, up to ten to twenty five percent. Sometimes mm -hmm. um, you're asking for a little bit more in, uh, on on performances because you're only as a publisher you're only collecting half of the performance income. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we ask for a little bit more, a little higher rate on publishing or on performances and also on syncs because often that's we land placements we land sync placements yeah. and then we also paper the deal and negotiate the deal that's right what I do. so you get a little extra so we ask for a little, little bit syncs. more because you're doing an admin yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. to get mm -hmm. the, yeah. Yeah, the idea of the admin you're just the paperwork stuff's right? coming in yeah. you're just doing that but with the sync you're actively mm -hmm. getting the deal yeah. and therefore you're sort of any higher commission yeah, yeah. 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 or just negotiating negotiating mm -hmm. for the best sync and then papering the deal yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So those are the three main publishing deals, and uh, and of course there are hybrids. We have we have hybrids that we just depending right. on the client where the client is in their career. Um, right. Kind of they they kind of morph into other specific nuanced deals. Right. Have you seen any deals where they're not even splitting the writer's side and publisher's side, and it's just a dollar comes in and you get fifteen cents, and the writer gets eighty five cents, and uh, well, an admin deal is, uh, am I, I, no, I guess uh, with the admin deal, even I'm still thinking, I guess it is 85 cents, it but is. it's, yeah. but it's, um, Roughly. yeah, I'm still thinking of, it, of the two sides of it, the yeah. publishing side and they're getting, I forget so, what, I don't yeah. know what percentage See, I, yeah. that is. Yeah. I don't even think of it like that because it's an ad, it's an admin deal. So under an admin deal, they, they they own their publishing, they're the writer and they own their own publishing. Okay. But we do have clients that do have, have th where they, we admin publishing companies. So there are, and, and so they do need to take into account that they have to split out the writer side of that to pay their writers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, mm. sometimes we do mm. offer a service of, of splitting out the writer side and separate writer accountings so that our clients can can then just they have the writer statement and they can just pay their writers, but that's mm -hmm. th so there are. Yeah, it, d it depends on the client and the admin client. If they if the admin client is the songwriter that controls their company, they're they're, they're publishing, or if they're another publisher that has signed writers. Right. So if I'm Elton John and uh, I'm a prolific writer, most likely I'll own my own publishing company. It'd be fool if I didn't or had bad advice from someone yeah and I have an admin deal with some publishing company so I don't have to file the copyright and do right all that stuff right and that's usually the way it, it works with mm -hmm. these self-contained mm -hmm. yeah. groups and write their own stuff and yeah and so on yeah most of them yeah. have most of them have 
about how control their own publishing. Right. I mean, if you're at, if yeah. you're at, if if you're at any point in your career where you can <laughs> control your own publishing, you should. Yeah, sure. It, sometimes that's not an option if you're a newer writer and you're just trying and you're in a development deal or mm. you're you're getting a you're assigned writer to Warner Chapel or to whomever and they're paying you a monthly stipend in yep, advance yep. to then mm-hmm. write for them and everything that you write is controlled by them right. or at the very least co-published by them. Right. I mean most most publishers aren't going to do a deal like that unless they own they own a piece sure. or all of the sure. of your share of that. So story. outside of Nashville does, do, do we still have publishers that have staff writers? I yeah. mean, I think they're in Nashville. There's still writers that are signed. I mean, I, 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 I mean, there are writers that are signed to, to Warner Chapel yeah, that are absolutely. being paid a monthly stipend. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think that yeah. existed much I any, actually anymore. come across them when they get out of their deals, <laughs> and, then right. wa- and then they want to work with somebody else, and we structure something a little bit different mm-hmm. um, because we're not Warner Chapel. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, right. ab- absolutely. Wow. They, they do definitely still exist, yeah. And then they hone, they work to develop those songwriters put them in with session sessions mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with other songwriters and maybe more mature songwriters so they they're writing up if you will yeah um, yeah yeah i know we went through that whole um hierarchy of people who are first liners or top, oh, top, top liners, liners. Top yeah. liners yeah. and yeah. writers and, mm-hmm. and yeah very so different very different um you know you still do have you you do still have your 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 lyricist your melody your top liners which are the the basically the lyrics and melody and then you've got your composers kind of now they're producers mm-hmm. that are you still it's it's very difficult to find one person that does both well um, and we've mm-hmm. got we, we've we've got a lot of producer clients right now a lot of a lot of men and women that are creating beats and then we match them with top line writers and, mm-hmm. and top line writers are harder to find. Yeah, a um, lot of producers, a lot of lot of lot of home studio producers that are producing great beats that are landing placements right. around the world. But to put them in a room with the top liner—that's the person creating the melody, the melody and, and the, the lyric, writing the lyric and melody. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That to me, uh, still, I guess I'm old school, but to me, that's still the melody is what you're singing. Yeah. you know what you're mm-hmm. getting along mm-hmm. to, is, and it's hard to create a yeah. great. It's still that's the song to me when you really narrow it down. Mm-hmm. The, the part that I can right. hum or sing so. to. Yeah, yeah we, we don't yeah. know if many, how many listeners really know that there are sort of these weekend camps, if you will, yeah. where these top liners go to yeah. this room yeah. and they have X amount of hours to come up with something and then a band you may know and you may think they're writing their own songs, but they come in and then they choose what one they like mm-hmm. and what one that will be theirs and they'll take a piece of the writing or majority of writing depending on how strong they are and the top liner will either come back from that with nothing or luckily had landed something that gives them yeah, usually a piece of the yeah. mm-hmm. did you yeah. read sure. s- did you read the song machine by john seabrook I, I may i think i did in school i don't remember no, it's no. actually like two years old. Oh, then never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, okay, yeah. It's worth reading. He's yeah, a writer okay. for The New Yorker, and he uh, spent a year and a half or two years just going through how s- hit songs are written today. And he goes mm. from talking to people like Dr. Luke yeah. to, to going Max to Martin Rihanna. And, and yeah. The whole writing. formula and the yeah. yeah. There's all a that. formula, yeah. 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 Well, the pop formula, you know, yeah. he was really, yeah. it, it was re- really a very good book, yeah. very enlightening I book. Teach, there's like the six C's of, of, of the six seas of writing or something it's like concise clear i'm forgetting but there's like 
mm-hmm. the seeds that are the kind of the right. what right. they kind of the formula. Although, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know it takes the the song that you hear on the radio is not the song as it started. Yeah. It goes through it morphs so many it goes through so many changes, mm-hmm. so many tweaks, so many revisions. Um, and it can become a frustrating process for 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 the songwriter sitting back and well, I want to cha- want you to change this or do this. And right. I, I'm 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 not. I have a team that's more involved in that than I am. But I know that it's it's a it yeah. can take a year right. to to cut for the song when when the artist when they first started working with it um, to release. Yeah, and often more longer than that. Yeah, we have. Um, an alum of our program is Rob Frasari, who actually wrote No, 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 and he wrote Bootalicious, and he wrote uh, Theme from Wild Wild West, and, and all these. And, and he talks about a meeting he was having with Clive. Uh, Clive wanted to see him because he was so hot at the time. And Clive just came in to this meeting, an A&R meeting. So Clive was sitting there, and, he said, and Rob was a little nervous, you know, sitting there so they were doing a listening session with what was going to be the final product the final song of this new artist so they play it for Clive and um, uh, Clive doesn't like it you know so now they're all sweating so he says who's got the original getting back to what you're saying who has the original demo and uh, they're all you know looking at and Clive opens up his door drawer and he pulls out the original demo, and he plays it. And it had all the, what you're talking about, all that energy that made him, and it didn't have it in the final uh, release, what was going to be the release. So he turns to Rob, and he says, now what would you do to make this? And he's sort of sweating, because it's Clive, you know, who always is known for the years and years and so on and so forth. But it was so... Um, appropriate to what you're saying, the difference between what happens in the beginning, you know, not only a Billy Joel, because <coughs> we've heard those things, Billy plays his original thought, and then what became yeah. Piano Man or whatever, uh, but this was actually an A&R meeting where they're now on the line, they're all on the line, and Clive's calling them on it, because whatever it morphed to lost everything that he originally signed that artist for. So, yeah, that does occur, of course, and you lose the old telephone game, yeah. you know, where you say something with the string, and the last person is yeah, totally it's completely different. different completely yeah. different. Yeah. Completely different message at the end. Yeah, it's a process for sure. Um, going back to publishing, can you explain the process of drafting a licensing agreement between Memory Lane and a uh, TV or film studio, and what that's like? In for like a sync like deal. Sync yeah, deal? it's for a sync deal. Um. Well, it, it's of course I've I've already gone through the the negotiation, and we've defined the terms and conditions that they require. So I've got in in what happens in the sync process is they they the studio the producer comes to you with a request. You quote, and if the fee is in their budget, mm-hmm. they and they end up and they usually don't actually move to license until. They, they get the cue sheet and the song is actually, I mean, they know mm-hmm. that the song is placed, that the song is has made it, because they cut songs out of, for whatever reason, it could be a creative decision, it could be a timing decision, they had to remove the scene. Uh, they cut songs last minute out of, so they're not gonna go to license 
Usually it's after the, the, the show is aired or the, the mm. film has been released. But they um, know the song has been approved for that usage. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, and you are and you are agreeing. You can't uh, – there's, there's wording in the kind of either the quote or the confirm that says that they're proceeding, and it's based – it's actually verbatim. We are proceeding upon reliance herein. So uh, there's language that they use. So basically, you can't pull your quote after we've after we've already you know after we've edited the the show the the song's been synced. We're moving forward with this. Um, mm-hmm. So so then they come back once once it, the film has been released or the commercials aired or the um, uh, commercials I handle actually a little bit different. But the te- the show has broadcast. They come back with a request to license. And I always use my own licenses. I don't use their boilerplate licenses because there's language, there's specific language you want in your license. Mm-hmm. It could be just speci- it could be anything from the governing authority. Mine is New York State. I don't want California law. Mm-hmm. I want New York State law. Um, you know, various warranty and indemnification language um, that's always included in, in every one of my licenses. So, but it is a little bit specific depending on on the licensee. Maybe NBC Universal has a slightly different way of, of phrasing something than Fox or Paramount versus Sony um, mm-hmm. Sony Studios. So it, it does it does depend. And I, I have I I've been working with them long enough that I usually I know and I have different licenses that are tweaked slightly mm-hmm. differently for each license licensee for each studio for each um, network. What so about Amazon and Netflix? as well um are, are you considering them studios of, same yeah, thing well they are about studios yeah. now i mean uh-huh. and i i license them you know th- because they're producing their original content you know as far as as far as so anything that's not original content that is that is is included on a- um netflix or hulu or any one of these streaming services that is actually going to be that right is covered under the license that i issue to like the 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 producer of that show or that mm. or the film whoever licensed that initially they license they they license the rights to broad to sure. to include that to broadcast that on streaming services mm-hmm. um so so that's so but for original content original hulu original netflix content it, it's handled exactly the same as as any other um any other licensee any mm-hmm. other network mm-hmm. or you consider that the same as like a, a TV network. Um, yeah, the la- the media language is media is, is going to be a little bit probably tweaked a little bit differently mm-hmm. to f- to fit their needs. Mm-hmm. But you know, they they might they might also want even though it's Netflix content, they might also they might they might just not want internet streaming. They mm-hmm. might want traditional broadcast. Um, and a lot of times they 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 license media that extends beyond how that it show is initially going to be broadcast how it's initially going to reach yeah, the yeah, audience because right. they don't they don't want to they back. frankly they don't want to have to come back and relicense back, because that's what's happening now with a lot of these older shows WKRP in Cincinnati exactly. remember that when yeah. we were kids in that uh, of course. show took forever to come out on DVD because they had the because best they had soundtrack. To re- and they had to relicense yeah, it. And they yep. was licensed just for TV. Yep. They didn't know there would be home I video. Would, I am working with, there are, they are going back, all of it, Fox, CBS, you name it, um, ABC, Disney, any of their original content that they licensed originally that they that didn't include new media rights or even home video rights. Mm-hmm. Because who in the 60s, who, you know, yeah. maybe they licensed video cassettes. But they didn't license DVDs. 
yeah. and Blu-ray. Right. You know, and that's why now you're seeing more more licenses that include all media now known or hereafter well, devised right. language. Now, yeah. of course, that means they're going to be paying a higher fee. But I mean, uh, frankly, I'm not. I wish we hadn't have gone that route because I think we're. I think that we opened. You know, you set a precedent, and now it's hard to. Yeah. It's hard to reverse that trend, and mm-hmm. um, but you do see a lot more of that licensing. So so then once it moves to license, I draft my license. I plug in all the specific terms and conditions, and uh, the song and my share and my share of the fee and the MFN language, which is very important. Do you know what MFN Explain means? Mm-hmm. Most um, MFN is is a is a is an acronym for most favored nations. And what th- and that's very important. That's important to any anyone who is quoting or licensing their music. I don't care if you're an indie artist who happened to find it, the ear of a music supervisor, and mm-hmm. but you want to make sure that you are always licensing on an MFM basis, which basically levels the playing field. So, if you have a if there's a separate master owner on a song or uh, or co-publishers, if you quote a fee and your co-publisher quotes or the master owner quotes a higher fee, it's that higher fee that is the prevailing fee. So you get your share. So say you quote $500, you have a co-writer who's got a publisher and they quote $1,000, it's that $1,000 that is the 100% fee for that song and mm-hmm. you get your 50% of that, you get $500. And then the master also can't get more on the master side. Mm. So if you quote $1,000 for publishing, the master can't get can't get more than thousand dollars. That's one example in the music <coughs> business where publishers and recorded music are even. That's the only example. Oh, okay, the right. only. Yeah. Yes. yeah, because we are not even in any other respect in terms of licensing. Like in a stream, for example, yep. after Spotify say takes their close to thirty percent, um, the remaining yeah. like eighty percent, the remaining whatever, I think uh, you guys and the pros get. Is it like seventeen yeah, percent or something? something. Like that, 17, and twenty. Uh, it's a, it's low. Very well, low compared yeah. to what the recorded music yeah. SRCOs are getting. Yeah, and in the, well, then that's because in the United States, the only fair market ne- negotiation that we have as publishers is sync. Mm-hmm. Everything else that we, every other licensing Statutory. that we do, is regulated by the U.S. government. Statutory. Statutory, mm-hmm. or regulated by the consent decree that that does not allow that that uh, th- that limits the performance right and performance rate negotiation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, versus on the master side, on the sound recording side with the labels, uh, everything is, uh, you know, you've got your digital performance right, which is now um, under the DMCA Act, you've got, you've got the right in digital performance, which is, uh, which is um, with through sound exchange and that's, mm-hmm. th- that's compulsory, but uh, so, but there's still, it's a, there's a fair market negotiation on the sound recording side that does not exist on the publisher Publishing side. And that's what the MMA Act is attempting to also, to, to level that field, to allow mm. us to, uh, to allow for uh, fair market negotiations on the mechanical. So, and mechanical is audio. That's, that's, that's the license and the, and the royalty that's received for audio recordings, either you know, e- your physical product, your, your digital downloads, or your mechanical streams. You're mm. streaming through like Spotify mm. and those streaming services. Right. So we know the uh, statutory rate for the mecha- mechanical for physical CDs and downloads is 9.1 cents. Yes. What is it for a stream? Yeah, don't ask me that. Because I've talked oh, to lawyers. It changed I can never recently. That I out. know. And you're, that's a, it's, that's a, floating it's a flat, thing. it's a percentage of 
so you so this was set the copyright royalty board just um, set set the streaming rates earlier uh, this year the mechanical streaming rates because we have to we have to go through on the publishing side we have to go through um, a, a rate a rate court that's mm -hmm. a government there's three judges and it's it's three judges that and that the you know the the NMPA lobbies on behalf of songwriters and the and the um, and the DSPs lobby on their behalf, and they back and forth it about the rates, and and it's it's a flat. I I don't know. It's a flat. It's a like there's a floor, but then it's a percentage of of revenue. So I can't tell you. Like I couldn't say uh, somewhere it it averages out to, or it did somewhere around like point per stream. And that's on you know don't quote me on um, point like point zero zero zero. Six cents. Mm -hmm. It's it's ve it's still it's quite low. I think that's raised a l that's raised a little bit, and of course the the streaming rate is going to increase over over the next um, three years. So we did we didn't get an increase in streaming rates per this recent uh, CRB decision. Mm -hmm. So if I have a traditional publishing deal at point oh 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 six, I as the writer get point oh 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 three, and you as the publisher get point oh 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 yeah three point oh yeah, but. And then Spotify, for example, also pays the pros. Yes. Because that's a public work considered public yes, performance have, as they well. Have so they're getting they they something Yeah, so they there. deduct that share out. Yeah. And then, yeah. They is that, deduct is that, that part of the oh, .0006 or that's no, a that's separate? No, that's separate. That'd be, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We try to teach this. Yeah. Yeah. I know. This I is do hard. Too. I mean, no, it's I know. we really I do. do. We try to teach it. Oh, we I try to get it straight. I, yeah. For ourselves first. And we're always talking. Our offices yeah. are on different floors, and we're always like, you know, texting to get down yeah. here because yeah. I got to teach us. Do I have this straight? Yeah. I mean, when mm -hmm. I do the math and look at and, and just divvy up, okay, these are this is a stream. This is what I got for the, the, this is amount of streams. It's somewhere around, and so this wouldn't include the performance because right. I'm looking at what I'm getting on the mechanical side. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah, at point oh 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 six or eight or it's somewhere around there depending on the streaming service and then it, that should get that should definitely increase because of this right. CRB decision but yeah I, t I try I I'm I adjunct at NYU um, I have for the past five years I took a break this semester um, but it's 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 a difficult mm -hmm. it's a difficult concept to teach because there's no uh, there's no straight answer it's not a right. it's not a penny raise and yeah. you're also yeah. saying it's different for streaming service. The title would be different Titles from Spotify. Titles a little, a little be better than Amazon yeah. From yeah. or YouTube. Yeah. Get less. Yeah. And YouTube's the lowest. Yeah. YouTube. I mean, yeah. yeah. When yeah. a writer says, "Well, how much am I going to earn for this, from for these the streaming on the service?" Well, <laughs> <laughs> <Let's wait. laughs> when you get to let's a million, a billion. When, yeah. when we get yeah. to a million, then we can put yeah. it on the calculator. Right now, yeah. it just says E. Yeah. <laughs> when you put it in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah taking over quite a bit, Taylor. You, you've been having, having good usual. questions when we give you. <laughs> Very good question. Tough question. As usual. So in terms of laws, how do you feel about the updated Music Modernization Act? I'm for it, 100%. Yeah, I think it's a good thing um, for the industry. I think it's a good thing for publishers. I think it's a good thing for songwriters. I think it's about time. And I hope that the Senate does the right thing and passes. I know it's on the Senate floor, and I hope that they But it did the right fall thing. short again. Not to include terrestrial for the performance. For performance, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's and that's one thing I think it should. They should be getting a performance. Uh, they say uh, it's Iran, uh, Iran, and North Korea and the U.S. That the don't three countries. Yeah. yeah, everyone else has neighboring rights, so you get that yeah, performance. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, that's another, um, and that, you know, that all goes back to sound recordings not being part of, uh, not being um, federal. In the yeah. 1909 even, yeah. they weren't. And then, of course, 1972 yeah. well, 72 that was they left were out. Yeah. But Sinatra and those guys in the 50s were yeah. all lobbying yeah. the N, you know, uh, yeah. NAB. Yeah, I think the days, no of the days of claiming that it was a promotional. Yeah, free. Are, we are gave it to you for free. Yeah. yeah, but you had to fill 24 hours. What were you going to do yeah. on that radio yeah. if you didn't play music? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely, um, I, I certainly think that the, the MMA with the trying to um, bring the mechanical, it's basically eliminating the statutory royalty rates, um, bringing that into Hopefully, the market yeah. and, and the consent decree, modifying that, bringing that, changing the way that that's, um, that that is it, how performance is regulated, yeah. and also, um, and also the um, you know the, there's a couple other other um, important pieces included the the opportunity for producers to file their own yeah. LODs with sound yeah, exchange. Yeah, That's right. important. That's a LOD letter of direction. Letter of direction. Right. So to get there, if they are <laughs> entitled to to digital performances on the sound recording side. Right as it stands, it's the it's the label or the artist right. who has to submit that. They mm -hmm. they can't submit that, and that's you know that's leaving it up to someone else who really doesn't have your best interest mm -hmm. in yeah. mind. Is is it, it's not? It's I don't think it's it's it doesn't benefit the producers, and right. and that can be well that that's for good parties. That statutory uh, the old nine one always. Well, for years I've been talking about it being so discriminatory in the sense that Steve Marconi can charge 091 cent and Paul McCartney, you're going to have a better opportunity if Paul writes your song than Steve Marconi. He can only charge 091 yeah. the cent. Yeah. And it's discriminatory against, <laughs> against the better writers, basically. Yeah, you yeah. And, and I, I, understand I understand the compulsory license. I, I understand why, I understand the, 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 the copyrights, I, I understand why they implement, why our, mm -hmm. the government implemented that and the thought behind that to basically allow for creativity. Mm -hmm. But, but you, I, I also think, I mean, we live in, <laughs> this is, we live in America, this is a, a, a society where we, we, we negotiate. Yeah. And to cap rates is 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 detrimental, um, and then of course I mean, but the fact of the matter is the nine nine point one cents is you know streaming overtook downloads last year. Um, it's mm. now the most it's it, it, there's now more revenue generated sure. from streaming than there is downloads, right. and you'll, there will always be I think downloads and be physical products, but that's just I mean what Apple announced they're getting rid of iTunes in a couple of years. Mm. So it's all going to move to the. It's it's going to be. Yeah, sure. More streaming is going to be come more and more the dominant. I I, I think the yeah. duration of the seventy years plus the last author's life is totally not in tune with what the Constitution would originally the idea was to promote the progress yeah. of mm. for a limited time, not so that you're you know like Keith Richards putting his grandson's name on the so it's mm. forever. I mean, really, and to me, that rub it's always rubbed me a little. Yeah, I've got a couple wrong. songs falling out of copyright soon that I'm uh. really sad about. Of your own, <laughs> yeah. that you wrote? No, oh, mine. Oh, oh. No, in the catalog. In the catalog, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I just, it yeah, just I mean doesn't. I mean, that's 
you know. Yeah, just what it, I mean, that's the whole the copyright yeah. law is to secure for a limited time. For a limited time right. to promote the progress yeah. of science yeah. and useful arts, yeah. not not so that your grandson yeah. could go to college and so on. Yeah. But I digress. Well, course, it's also so. that it's a business, and this is these people's livelihood. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a if you have a business, and you are making you have intellectual property. Right. Well, we have, we're good friends with um, um, Michael ha uh, Harrington, who's here, who's a music expert. Mm. He lives in Nashville, anyway. And they just got, uh, he's with a, was with a group of attorneys that overturned the happy birthday. Yeah. And they overturned oh, yeah. We Shall Overcome just recently. Oh, uh, wow. The first or the second verse, whatever verse that was still under. And now they're going, this land is your land. They're go, trying to go after those things that really should be public domain now shouldn't be. I didn't know this yeah. land is your land was still, was yeah. under No, it was, wasn't this land is your land. It's, um, shoot, what's a civil rights song? It was the big civil rights the song. Not the uh, we, sh we Shall Overcome. That's what yeah, I said that earlier. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so now they're going to. After the, the oh, now they're going after the yes, land is your land. Yes, that's what I'm, oh, right. Okay. I, I could text him to find out, but I believe yeah, exactly that's what that's it is. But anyway, yeah, those. Who did, do you know who wrote We Shall Overcome? Is I that, don't I mean, know. Is that, it's, was huh. that, was that before Seeger and all those? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Pete Seeger put himself on the second verse. It was one well, that's the part. That's the that's, yeah. the, that's the one they get cleared. Even, yeah, I feel like that was just in so just sung by in marches and mm -hmm. how do you even cling? The Happy Birthday was the greatest one. That yeah. One. yeah, poor Warner Chapel. <laughs> but I, I would <laughs> make the example. Billions of dollars in singing. I make that example in class, and the the, the most obvious place was Applebee's. Where right. the waiters would come around and they'd go, "It's your birthday! It's your birthday!" They yeah. never sing "Happy yeah. Birthday," you know. And just what was it last night? Wherever we were, yeah. And, and somebody I sang. I, I, somebody sang "Happy Birthday" in a yeah. restaurant. And I said, yeah. "It's legal now," you know. Yeah. So well, yeah. I mean, well, they don't have to get licensed for it. They don't. But have I mean, to, they don't have to do it on their uh, performance. Yeah. Are we about two minutes, make two minutes left? So, uh, Kayla, do you want to ask a final, good, in-depth question? Um, I guess my last question would be, are there any myths you want to dispel about what people think publishing is or anything like that? Myths? I think people just don't know what publishing is. I don't know about <laughs> myths. Um, it, it's I, it's, sh it's shocking. It's shocking to me how many people don't know, who don't know the difference between what a record label does and a publishing does, even people <laughs> in the industry. Um, so I think it's just educating the difference between between the sound recording side and the performance side versus the songwriting and the composition side. So I, uh, myths, I don't know if I've even heard really any, any myths. I mean, there is, you know, I don't know how much of it back, it's not really a myth, but we, we definitely in a sense function differently than back in the Tin Pan Alley days or the Brill Building days mm -hmm. when you had the, you had the record label on one, you know, one side of the, uh, one side of the, uh, floor and on the other side was the publisher and the writers would sit down at the piano write a song and the publisher would run over and knock on the label and say, hey do you have an artist to record this so I mean it, in, in, a, in a way it is sort of returning to that type of an atmosphere where where you're getting more you know songwriters are writing together and and artists are coming in and writing with them so it's I think you you know you can never get rid of that you can never get rid of the the sense of just the creative collaboration of being in a room together and because now with all the home studios you've got a lo lot of producers out of their homes and just basically submitting beats to artists and the artists write the top line or they have their own team writing the top line and no, ne ne they never meet and there's something there's something lost in that mm -hmm. I mean good music can come out of that but there's still a, there's still value in getting together in a studio 
studio wherever your wherever your session is and just sitting down and planning the song out yeah it's a myths around the thing about myths well we t some of the myths we talk about were like don't expect um, i talk to a lot of students still feel that this is the mid 90s and you're going to get your big record deal oh. and you're going to mm. get these huge yeah. advances and yeah. you're going to be driving that yeah big car no, you know it's, it's that day we talk is passed. Mm -hmm. you're not you're That's not why giving record out big labels went broke yeah mm. um that day is that day is passed i think some people do if you're i mean if you're a top tier artist you're still still getting big deals but i also think don't be be wary of of big advances that might be the only check you see for five six seven years because even if you land some great placements who s that sell a lot of records of a lot of streams you get a lot of sinks, you still, you've got to recoup that advance, and just because of the accounting structure, it's still, it still is a process, six, nine months, a year, two mm -hmm. years, depending on where in the world you're selling, to get that money, for your publisher to get that money, and then they go through an accounting period, and to get, to pay that mm -hmm. out. So one of the things that I, a couple of the panels yesterday that I went to were wise in that they, they were saying, you know, don't, if you're a, a songwriter and you're getting advances, take Take a monthly stipend, whatever, and, and according to your needs. Mm -hmm. Don't don't buy that Lamborghini because you might be living in that Lamborghini mm -hmm. because you can't pay your rent because you mm -hmm. uh, that's and that we that happens. We hear of songwriters and artists going going broke all the time, mm -hmm. um, mismanagement of money. Maybe they've been taken advantage of, but but for sure there's and and success does not happen overnight. That's a myth. Uh, it just doesn't. You there's a lot of work behind any song that you hear on the radio, any artist that you see years of development both on the songwriting side on the artist side year there have been years of development behind that artist and uh, they mm. don't just pop just kind of spring up out of nowhere the overnight success yeah right. yeah right. Right. Well, this I, has I been just heard from harrington he says yes we are working freeing this land as your land now hmm. so they did we shall overcome and happy birthday it's got the bunch of lawyers in new york that are doing this um i'm sure they make money somehow <laughs> I don't know <laughs> with these songs who you know yeah. who's actually owning the publishing and whatever right so well very good this has been a really yes excellent interview are you Thank happy you Taylor with the way with the way this went yeah Taylor's very happy with that. Taylor's into the whole publishing Taylor's aspect great. of it. Yeah, so well, that's a great. It's a good yeah. field to get into. It's a great field to get into. Absolutely. Well, thank fact, you for having me. This yeah. was a lot of fun. And we Russell Butch. Thank you. We had, the TV. We, we had asked uh, two accountants last night from Gelfin, the yeah. business management firm. So I said to them, we were talking about a lot of things, and I said to him, uh, so what aspect? You've gone and seen all the books. So what would be the easiest way to make money in this business without killing yourself and so on and they both said publishing would probably the best thing yeah. course, own absolutely the that's yeah. why you want to you want to control your publishing yeah, yeah. Right. so let's control this interview and stop it now <laughs> so at okay. the end at the end of every show we don't say hello because it's the end so you want to know what we say do you know what we say what do we say taylor adios, adios! <laughs> say dave what do paul sinclair from atlantic tom hefter from ticketmaster rosie lopez from tommy boy and heather ellis from pandora all have in common they're all big wigs in the music and entertainment industry esteban and they all hate warm beer and they've all been guests on the music biz 101 and more radio show at eight o'clock on wednesday nights bingo if you want to learn more about the music and entertainment biz tweet in a question and tune in every wednesday night at eight o'clock to music, music biz 101, 101 and more on brave new radio, radio.